0: Welcome to the Game Changers NFT podcast, a show that highlights incredible women who are changing the game. I'm your host, Yin Hin. The Game Changers is a unique web 3.0 project with the purpose of providing access to capital for women entrepreneurs, leveraging the power of NFTs. We are creating a dynamic virtuous cycle, art by women, featuring inspiring role models, generating revenue to fund women-led ventures and funds. Each episode, we sit down with a game changer that makes part of our collection. And every conversation is packed with personal stories, discoveries, and lessons learned within the blockchain and beyond. For more information, you can visit gamechange.nft.com to learn more. Please enjoy.
1: My name is Lavinia Osborne, and I am a game changer.
0: In this episode, we sit down with Lavinia Osborne, a blockchain, fintech, and well-tech thought leader. Lavinia is the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, an award-winning networking and educational platform that shines a spotlight on dynamic women in the blockchain ecosystem. She brings such a fresh and accessible approach to complex subjects and has a deep desire to uplift individuals financially, professionally, and personally. You'll hear how Lavinia juggles so much between her podcast work, her consultant work, and also Crypto Queens, the new NFT marketplace business that she launched. Lavinia hoped to decrease the gender gap in blockchain and its ecosystem by providing different ways of learning about technology and showing people different ways to get involved. I love her campaign, 50,000 Women into Blockchain by 2023. Please enjoy this conversation with the fabulous Lavinia from the block, Osborne. Thank you for joining and thank you for being a game changer. Before we get into your incredible work in blockchain and education and inclusion initiatives in the space, I would love to rewind your highlight reel all the way back. You were raised by a single mother. You are a twin. You speak French and a little bit of Albanian, I believe. Yep. You have flown on the Concord. You're of Jamaican descent and a proud British Caribbean. I want our listeners to know more about you and more about that. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit of where you grew up. I grew up in
1: a town called Nottingham in the county of Nottinghamshire. And most people will know Nottingham because of the story of Robin Hood. That story has had quite an impact on me. As an individual, because if you think about Robin Hood, there's different takes on the version of Robin Hood, but ultimately he was a rich landlord. And when he came back from war, he no longer was a landlord. And he saw that the sheriff of Nottingham was stealing from the poor and he decided that he was going to steal from the deputy of Sherwood Forest. I can't remember the actual term of the bad guy. But he was going to steal from them to give to the poor. I grew up, as you correctly stated, I was brought up by a single mom I was also brought up by my aunties and my grandmother in particular. There was no men around until my cousins were born. For me growing up, I always thought wealth came from men. Like you needed to have a husband or father for there to be wealth. If you was a woman, particularly a single woman, a black woman, because that's what I saw. But I now know as an adult that white women go through poverty Asian women go through poverty, many people go through poverty, it's not something that's just directed or experienced by one demographic, so to speak. But of course, being in the UK, A large demographic of people from the Afro-Caribbean have struggled and have had to rise themselves up. And now I'm the first and second generation. My mum was born in Jamaica, so I'm first generation on her part. But on my father's part, I'm second generation. So we're now seeing the third and the fourth generation. And of course, they don't have the same struggles as their grandparents, so to speak. But with that being said, I related to Robin Hood because I thought to myself, well, I know what it's like to be poor. And I want to feel what it's like to be on the other side. And I have had tasters, but I'm not living that living la vida, loca. <laughs> being on Concord, that's a huge privilege, particularly because Concord no longer exists. So I have tasted the high life. It comes with its pros and cons. I think as a woman, it's very important to create our own wealth because it gives us a sense of independence. Coming full circle, this is what drives me in blockchain technology, promoting the educational blockchain technology, just not the education of what it is, but why it is important for women to embrace this paradigm shift. This technology has created a paradigm shift. And it has created disruption across many industries, particularly the finance industry. And when we think about the finance industry, it is an industry that has a lot of gatekeepers. And unfortunately, a lot of those gatekeepers are men and men of a certain ilk, not women. And so because of that, there has always been this unspoken acceptance that women don't belong in the corridors of power of finance, of economics, of technology. The irony, particularly in regards to technology, if you think about women and the part they played during World War I and World War II, they were the ones who were operating, for example, the telephone board, which was at the peak of technology at that point in time. And then of course, the war ended, men came back, they needed a job, and women were pushed to the side again. That does not have to be the case. With blockchain technology and all the opportunities that comes with it. I look at my story as a young woman, as a child being brought up by women, strong, determined, resilient women. They were clueless around money. As an adult, I had to educate myself. And as a leader in this space, it is my duty and it is my honor and my desire to reach out to as many women as possible to show them this technology is here to stay, what it is, how to use it, and how to apply it to your life and leverage it for your betterment.
0: Beautiful. We are definitely going to talk about your work in blockchain. You host and are the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, which is the UK's number one female-led and award-winning blockchain educational and networking event in the UK that's open both for men and women. It's not just for women, but it's the idea of broader education. It's very clear that you're mission in your platform and the passion behind it is in education. Right now it's focused on blockchain, but it's also focused on financial access. And so before you took the red pill, as I call it, into blockchain, before that you started your career in financial well-being. Is it because of being raised by women and seeing how financial access and literacy was not there? Or if you could share how you started within asset management?
1: The thing about it is that we all deal with assets. We as individuals are assets. And sometimes we devalue that assets in regards to what we're willing to accept and what we're willing to ask for in regards to pay. That is the biggest one. And the data shows that most women will retire in poverty because of the gender pay gap. That's huge. The fact that most women will give up their careers or take time away from their careers to bring up a family or maybe help out with elderly parents. And it does have a huge impact on the bigger picture. The other aspect is that a lot of women, it's not that they fear money, but they don't understand it. Because they don't understand it, they try and make safe bets. Generally speaking, if you're making safe bets, the interest is low and the returns are slow, but it's safe. On the long run, bigger picture, you're not going to earn as much or have as much equity or assets when you come to retire. So how did I come into this space? I came into this space because 2008 came, as we touched upon before. I do come from a one-parent background. I'm the first one in my family to go to university. Born in Nottingham, but came to London when I was nine. And I went to university in London, Middlesex University, where I studied media and cultural studies and publishing. I studied performing arts at the Brit School. So think Adele, think Tom Holland. The last Spider-Man, he went to the bitch school, but obviously not when I was there. (laughs) Point being is 2008, I had acquired assets and I did this by myself. Sometimes people may get an inheritance from a family member. That wasn't the case for me. I had a strong mom, but sometimes due to whatever, we have limitations on what we can be, what we can achieve. I will definitely say that my mom never, ever poo pooed my ideas. If I said I wanted to do something, she was always, well, yeah, I'm sure you can do it, Lavinia. If anyone's going to do it, you're going to do it, Lavinia. But she wasn't the person I could go to to say, hey, mom, can you help me? Can you direct me? How do I do this? Because she'd never done it herself. And I would say my mom had limited beliefs. And those limited beliefs came from her background. I would say one of the things that saved me to a degree, because I used to love reading. And because I read, I was able to see what was possible. Ferocious appetite to read. And it took me out of my situation. I used to read a lot of autobiographies growing up. And I used to love the autobiographies because they're stories of overcoming. They're stories of people coming from a hard place. And then they were able to overcome and find themselves in a better place. And that's the reason why they were writing that book. Not because they stayed in that place, What it showed me was that even if you're in a tough place, Lavinia, you can overcome it. Here I was just going throughout my life. My mom had me and my twin sister at 19 and I was like, we can't get pregnant at 19. And even up to now, I still don't have children. So you can see how much of an impact it had on me. There's various reasons why I haven't had children, but I would say the fact I grew up in a one-parent household and it was hard. As a child, you feel like you need to take on certain responsibilities, And then there's this pressure to do better. It's not even well done. It's well, of course. So here I was, I was the first one to acquire assets in my portfolio, to live abroad, just the first one, the pioneer, so to speak. And then 2008 came in all the hard work that I had put into the last 10 years when other people were out partying, traveling in the world, I was just doing all the right things as Robert Kiyosaki talks about, I got a good education. I got a decent job. I invested, and then 2008 came. It just pulled the rug from under many of us. And of course, 2008 was the global economic financial crash, and that was based on a small group of individuals compared to the world's billions of people playing God with the economy, so that they could make money. And of course, there was a ripple effect. Interestingly enough, 2008 was a year. That the Bitcoin white paper came out because a group of individuals were. Why is it that the power of the world's economy is in a few hands? We need to create a currency that's for the people, by the people to use. Anyway, 2008 came and everything that I'd worked hard for was pulled from underneath me. I lost my job, my marriage fell apart, and it was like I just had to start again. But one of the things that came And it took a very long time to get to this point. You know, you're constantly building up. And one of the key things that I learned is the power of being an entrepreneur. I didn't think a person like me could be an entrepreneur. What's a person like me doing trying to start a business? A person like me in sales. I don't do sales. That's not something a person like me does because I never saw it around me. I didn't see people running their own business and making loads of money and driving a nice car. And there was no men around me to show me even in a job's worth. Wealth and money, you can desire it, but if you don't think you deserve it or you can't envision yourself receiving it, it's very hard for you to then receive it. So I had to do a lot of work on myself. And a lot of people say the way that you talk and the way that you teach is very different from the mainstream. And that's because I'm not mainstream. I'm your everyday Jane. I'm Lavinia from the block. So when I speak, I'm speaking from authenticity because I know what it is to have to pull myself up. I know what it is to be resilient and to fight all of the biases. International Women's Month, for International Women's Day, the theme is break the bias. And as a black woman in this country, the UK, Britain a country that I love and there's many opportunities for many people but there is still racism let's not get it twisted I've always had this mindset that this world belongs to me and you can't tell me it doesn't belong to me and I'm not going to allow your limited beliefs about me to stop me being the best I can be I'm not here to be validated by anyone but I will prove you wrong I've had to push hard. I've been in jobs where the younger white model is getting all of the job rises and all of the opportunities and I'm just pushed in the corner. How is that fair? I've always just had to draw power. And I say, I must draw it from my ancestors to have that resilience and just keep on moving. Sometimes people say, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why not you? Through challenges, you get to grow. And maybe you're going to be the person who opens the door for someone else. So sometimes when you're facing a challenge, sometimes don't cry. Why me? Why not you? Someone is going to do it.
0: It's a powerful way to reframe it. And already the way that you speak, but also I can imagine the way that you educate is filled with a positive and also a growth mindset. The idea is that these talents and these abilities are developed, that you're not born being the best blockchain programmer or the best writer The idea is you develop this talent and it's that mindset that allows you to do it. I love the exposure that you had or gave yourself rather to reading and literacy and how that opened your eyes. Speaking of that beautiful theme this year of Women's History Month of Breaking the Bias, you're doing a tremendous job. I believe it was two years ago that you had this event in London right before the pandemic, which is incredible timing. But it was about blockchain and education. And so many people have said it was such a wonderful event. How did you go from trying to focus on financial well-being in financial investments or asset management. How did you think, let's focus on blockchain and let's educate the masses on blockchain, specifically for women and folks who might not feel comfortable digesting such a complex topic?
1: Great question. I was working doing financial well-being and when you do financial well-being I came up with these four pillars and the four pillars was money mindset so it touches on the growth mindset money mindset money mastery how do you become bigger than your financial problems because of course you got to remember there was a lot of people suffering after 2008 so money mastery money management so that's looking at debt savings investments estate planning the last pillar is money mission what do you want your money to mean to you and so I was focused on helping many, but my focus really was on women. Now, when you talk to individuals about money, you're going to touch on the past, the present, and the future. What I was looking at, the future of money was digital currencies at that time. In digital currencies, I just meant we weren't using cash as much. We're using card. All of these challenger banks were coming up. How you can manage your money better using apps. This was the space that I was moving in and I found it very exciting. And then I started hearing about Bitcoin, but at the time it was very convoluted. It still can be convoluted, but not how it was back then to actually purchase and hold Bitcoin. So then I started hearing about blockchain and I was like, Bitcoin, blockchain, are they not the same thing? But of course they're not. And just to make clear, blockchain is a technology that underpins Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, blockchain is a train track, the technology, and the train is a crypto. Without the track, the train can't move. So I was like, blockchain technology, this is very interesting. Of course, Bitcoin, or even blockchain, in and of itself, it falls under FinTech financial technology. But also blockchain can fall under edutech or Agritech. Edutech is education technology, Agritech is agriculture technology, because it's a technology that can be used across the board. But when we really think about blockchain, we're thinking about cryptocurrencies and in particular Bitcoin, The first use case study, and we think about finance because it disrupted the market. And I'm like, maybe I need to get a job at a blockchain company. And I was able to do that, which I will always be grateful for. And then I left that. And then I was like, I still want to do something in blockchain. What is it that I can do? I'm not a developer, I'm not technical. Who's going to want to listen to me? And I have to say, my confidence was a little bit low for various reasons at that time. And someone came along. We all have encountered angels. Somebody takes the time to give you a smile or hug or to open a door for you or to make you realize who you can be, who you can become. There's a lady called Rianne Lewis. She's the author of a book called The Cryptocurrency Revolution. And she's just amazing. And she is a dev. And she said to me, Lavinia, we need people like you in this space because I'm back end, your front end. What you do, I cannot do. And what I do, you cannot do. And then she just gave me the confidence to step into my power and to just go for it. I did the first event. The first event was a bit of a fluke because I had taken over a meetup group and it just happened to have 70 people join wanting to attend event. And I was like, I need a space. And then I found a space at Google Campus. I just got someone I knew who I knew was in blockchain, who bought Bitcoin And I said, would you just talk about your journey? And she did. And everyone was like, wow, that's one of the best blockchain events I've been to. I did not know what to say. Anyway, I did a bit of market research. And what I found was that there was an appetite for women to hear other women in the space. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to shine a spotlight and amplify the voices of women who are already in the space and do a show where I interview them. I remember saying to myself, I want to be the Oprah of blockchain (laughs) And that's how Women in Blockchain Talks was started. It officially started September 2019. And then, of course, lockdown happened. And in some ways, for me, it was quite positive because it forced me to move online. And Because i had been entrepreneurial before, it was quite easy for me to just pivot online. And in doing that, it allowed my reach to be wider and greater and the impact, most importantly, to also be more profound.
0: That is so, so powerful. And the Oprah blockchain is really the Lavinia blockchain. So I'm looking forward to that path and how you've drawn that power and use that going forward. What do you think is the most exciting thing about the space today?
1: I can only speak from my side. What excites me, financial equity is so important to me. It's fundamental to me because of my background, being from a single parent. I just feel there's a lot of opportunity for the sharing of or the creation of financial equity. We've moved from WebPoint 1.0 to web. 2.0 now we're moving to web point 3.0 and if we think about web 10, we look at that as a information economy so you're just absorbing a lot of information and then web point 2.0 creator economy so we had people creating on youtube on facebook on wordpress and now what we have with web point 3.0 is the evolution of the creator economy But in addition to it, the ownership economy, which basically means that we're able to hold ownership of our assets more and lease it and leverage it so that we can create a passive income and also have more share of this new space, this Web.3.0 space. And I think that's a powerful thing for women because the old paradigm has not worked for us. This is why I'm so gung-ho. I'm so passionate about us women leading from the front. We have to be bold. We have to be brave. We have to take risks. We need to step up. We need to stop allowing fear to override fact. And also, if you take risks, yes, you can lose. So, of course, you don't bet on the farm. But you do need to be open to lose because, as I said before, you could look at something as losing or you could see it as an opportunity and when I lost everything in 2008 because of the global crash, I read somewhere about forest fires. They are natural occurrences. Okay, we've got global warming at the moment, so they're occurring a lot more, which isn't natural. But generally speaking, forest fires are a natural occurrence where they clean the land. And then afterwards, you start seeing new shoots coming up. And sometimes we're on a journey, we're on a path where we believe This is what we need to be doing in order to be valued, to be accepted, or to reach certain goals. But there's something within us that it's just not congruent. There's something imbalanced, but we're pushing against that because these are the things that I was told I need to do to be successful. But in actuality, what is success to you? Is success having that house and money in the bank, or is it living your life with purpose? Feeling like you have something that makes you who you are and unique. You have to ask yourself, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because as much as it's a wonderful thing to live your life on purpose, sometimes it also means a lot of sacrifice. And sometimes you don't know if it's actually going to work out. There are two things that we know we can rely on, death and taxes. And we have to be the best that we can be because we only have one life. I mean, if you believe in extra lives or past lives, and of course that's what you believe in, but the life that we are living is a gift and we have to do our best to try and fulfill our potential. And sometimes that potential might look like leading or it might be supporting the leader, being part of that story to bring something forth that impacts the lives
0: of many. Love that. We've talked about this a little bit, but the idea is this space is still very filled and dominated by men. What is the unique perspective you bring to this area and why are you a game changer?
1: I'm a game changer because I walk my talk. I'm about amplifying others. At the end of last year, I was listed as one of LinkedIn's leading voices in technology and innovation. I knew it was coming, but I didn't understand the gravitas of it and when I did I cried not because I was just so happy because I was filled with fear what does this mean what do people expect from me I'm just a very small fish just doing my thing I have desires to be the first and I'm speaking this out loud and it's making me smile because the child inside of me is smiling I want to become the first black British tech billionaire I have a project called Crypto Queens. I'm looking for investors and I'm looking for a co-founder. So I'm just putting that out there now. I know it can be and will be a game changer. And so I feel like this could create such a beautiful thing in the Web.30 space. But on a personal level, yes, I think it could allow me to become that first Black British doesn't matter if it's male or female, I just say Black British, but even female tech billionaire. Why not? Just like I said before, why not me? I found it ironic that LinkedIn put that spotlight on me because that's what I've been doing for the last two years. I've been shining the spotlight on others because I know as an individual I'm powerful, but what I do is not about me. I cannot take on the establishment by myself. I cannot overturn thousands of years of patriarchal leadership and definition within society. However, I can lead a campaign. I can lead a force. I can motivate and inspire people to look at this space, Web.30, as a paradigm shift that it is, embrace it, dive into it, leverage it. A lot of people talk about there's still a lot of men and they bring in their ideologies. Let them bring it. Create space. If there ain't room at the table, create your own table. If there ain't enough chairs, create your own chair because that's the beautiful thing with blockchain. Yes, it's got its issues. We know it's convoluted. We need to think about the environment, but this is an opportunity. It is my passion and my willingness to get down and dirty and do what needs to be done, that makes me a game changer.
0: This could be like a three, four or five hour podcast in terms of talking about Lavinia from the block and how she would amplify blockchain. The idea that you had this fear of what others expected from you from this LinkedIn popularity. I guarantee you that what you fear of people expecting from you doesn't even touch the things that you expect from yourself. And that's very clear, I think, for our listeners, because it is about being big and being bold. And for you, also breaking this bias in the spirit of the Women's History Month theme this year. So Absolutely incredible. And I firmly believe that you already are a game changer. So I'm looking forward to what you do with Women in Blockchain Talks, with Crypto Queens, and also just with your further education for not only yourself, but also the community. Three last questions. One of them is one of my favorites, and I use this in my other podcast, Growth From Failure, but what does success mean for you?
1: There's different contexts of success, but in the context of this, what success looks like for me is for us to hit the goal of 50,000 women into blockchain by 2023. So we have a campaign. And of course that 50,000 is coming into the Women in Blockchain Talks community. But I don't want them to just be in the community. I want them to be active. I want them to be proactive. I want them to have the confidence to go out and bring more because to me, those 50,000 is a number, but they're a seed. They're the seeds that can go into their community and go into their networks and bring more women into this space. And that's how we lead from the front. I talked about NFTs being a great pathway. So one of the things that Women in Blockchain Talks has done, we created a butterfly collection because we feel like the metaphors needs a feminine touch. We have uh, butterflies. One of the things I would say that makes Women in Blockchain Talks stand out from the crowd is, yes, we do events. Yes, we do networking. But I'm very much about practicality. And what I do know is that so many women hear all of this and they're inspired by it, but to actually take action, sometimes what they need is handholding. So some of the things that we're looking to do is create a crypto savings club, We all come together. If you want to do 100 and someone else does 10, that's fine. It's not about the amount. It's just about the doing and the consistency of it. And then the other thing we're looking to do, I'm looking to create, particularly for the month of women, is an NFT minting party. And so we have these butterflies. They're not that expensive to purchase because we want the entry barrier to be low and to be cost effective for the many women coming into this space. And so what we want to do is come together and we'll help you get your wallet. We'll help you get your MATIC, which is the cryptocurrency that we use for our butterflies. And then you purchase your butterfly. And that way you've now stepped into WebPoint 3.0. You're not just talking about it. You're not just listening about it. You're doing it. That's what we need to see more of. For me, diversity and inclusivity is so important. One of my biggest Pet peeves, and I'm British, so I'm very anglicised. The world is very anglicised, and you see so much of the information that's out there about blockchain technology, Web 3.0, et cetera, etc., etc. It's in English. Diversity and inclusion is very important to me. So success looks like not only having fifty thousand women coming to the community, and of course, men, you're welcome, but I want fifty thousand women. But I want it to be diverse. I want to have different cultures and heritages and languages within this community, within that 50,000 plus. Success to me looks like hitting that goal before the end of 2023. Success looks like having an active and engaged community of positive people, uplifting each other, sharing, coming together, creating businesses, investing in each other. And also success looks like crypto queens, getting that investment, getting that team, because I think NFT is a great pathway for women to come into blockchain, if I'm honest with you. And that's one of the reasons why I want to create Crypto Queens. Crypto Queens will be the first women-focused, women-led NFT marketplace. And then, of course, we've got a conference at the end of the year that we are looking to do. And again, it will be the first women-led. That doesn't mean it's not open to men. It just means that we're going to have women on the stage, more women than men. And just seeing that sold out, that's what success looks like people are like, I love what you do living in you. You're so amazing. and I appreciate all of that. I really do. But what I appreciate more, buy the tickets, share it with your network, because I'm not doing this for fun and games. The moment is now. If not now, when?
0: For the listeners who are new and they like your analogy of blockchain being the rails and the currencies or others are riding those rails. For those who don't even understand that fundamental start, Where can people go? What are your favorite resources to start that? And I'm sure you've had many people on the podcast to talk about that. But for you personally, what were your favorite resources to learn more?
1: Blockchain 101 is a great resource. LinkedIn is a great resource. And I'm talking about blockchain now. Okay. If you want to delve into NFTs or cryptos, Twitter spaces or Twitter is great. But let's talk about blockchain. Sorry, LinkedIn is the one. I love LinkedIn. Great information, great leaders on there are sharing all the time. But Blockchain 101 is great. Then you've got Data. I think they're really good at putting together infographics. And why I like these platforms is because the information that they give is easy to read, easy to consume. And then of course, Women in Blockchain Talks. There is another platform. It's UK-based. I really love what they do. So I'm going to give them a shout out. They're called The Bigger Pie. It's led by a woman called Bridget Greenwood. When I first got started, I did a lot of work with her, a lot of collaboration. She's been on my platform. I love what the Bigger pie stands for. But I have to say it's more in regards to connection and networking, not necessarily educational resources. Educational resource, LinkedIn, various leaders there and blockchain 101 and block data.
0: Perfect. Last question and my favorite. What's next for Lavinia Osborne?
1: The mission is long, so there's a lot of work to do. So, our key thing this year is to get the first conference up, raise funds for Crypto Queens, get the team in place, and execute. And then, of course, continue to build Women in Blockchain talks, continue to make an impact, and of course, hit the 50,000 women. In blockchain by 2023 so i hope the many people who are going to listen to this are gonna be inspired and want to come in and support what we're doing we're looking for sponsors we are looking for partners we're looking for advocates ambassadors whatever it is that you feel you
0: can add to the table come along if you don't ask then you don't know i am looking forward to following all the things you do on all the platforms you do it on. Livinia. thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much.